so, uh, yeah, we just, I feel like that was a good episode in Silent Hill 2, but I'm, I'm kind of bummed out really, you know, just in general. I don't really know <laughs> what, what we can do next to really match that, you know, to, to, to recover. We're going right into Planescape, right? So that's kind of a bummer. Yeah. Planescape has torment in the title and, <laughs> and torment means, means bummed out. Yeah. So, I mean, that's not going to be a relief. We should, I mean, we should try to find something a little bit like kind of brighter and sunnier. Well, um, and you're going on that trip, right? So you're going to need to be on the PSP. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let me pull up the PlayStation store real quick. Like, okay. Um, yeah. What did you ever play Klonoa? You know what? I've actually heard really good things about that. Um, I'd be, I'd be interested in doing that actually. That, that That's on PSN. Yeah, yeah, it's just like it's just like six bucks, and it's oh, like right. well, here, like um, I check it out. So the the copy here, um, it says here it's a a, a sun filled platformer. Um, it's got the happiest characters in gaming history. Oh. Um, you know, they run and they jump. Like this all sounds like things I'm interested in, in playing. Like this will this will feel yeah. real good after after all this. Nice little nice little sorb nice little sorbet after you know that. All right, cool. Yeah, let's let's do let's do Klonoa. coming no 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 so so the little the the sprite thing like gave him an entirely false life and pretty much just like destroyed his identity how do you Holy know shit <laughs> how, how do we know that anything's real gary we can't escape existential jesus. crisis jesus christ like not only did he like make up all these memories he gave him a grandpa that died like just made, made him to yeah, watch and it. like a grandpa that that implies a mom and dad, at, uh, at the very least. Like, how, what are what are the memories that Klonoa had? You know, these like, can you imagine this little Hupo guy sitting around handcrafting these little events in Klonoa's childhood? Like, oh, here's his first kiss. Like, here's the first time his mom dropped him off at kindergarten. Like, here's the time that you know he got uh, forgotten in the mall for a minute. Here's the time that he lied and said he didn't like Weird Al to his mom just so because uh, his friend was around. That's dark. How is this the darkest game we've done? Like, what is happening to us? Like, how are we being hunted? Why, why can we not escape this? Jesus Christ. And you just got, you got to watch out for, for games doing this kind of thing. You're going to watch out for dying alone, your whole life being a lie, nothing being real. And then, you know, on top of it, you have to fucking watch out for fireballs.
Hi, this is Gary Butterfield. And this is Cole Ross. And you are listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a retro video games podcast. And this week we're going to be talking about Klonoa, the door to Phantomville. Phantomville, which I have read as door to Phantomville uh, every single time <laughs> I've read it. So I'm literally learning that right now because I can't read. Uh, <laughs> you gloss over. You make too many assumptions here. Yeah. My mind just fills in the, the blanks. It's like those science experiments where they can leave out certain letters or yeah. misspell things and you, you read it right. Yeah, leave out all the vowels. Yeah. Right. It's, so like a, I, I, it's, it's way better as Phantom Eel than Phantom Bill. <laughs> like I'm, I'm just playing this game and just, where the hell are the Phantoms? It's so, like, <laughs> it's so stupid. I wanted to fight Phantoms. Um, but uh, uh, the door to Phantom Meal. Uh, mm. Phantom Meal, Phantom Meal. I believe that's how you pronounce it, or Phantom Mile. I'm not Phantom sure. Mile, yeah. <laughs> I don't think they say it in the game, and if they do, it just squeak. It is a platforming game that was developed by Namco for the PlayStation in uh, 1997. Right, and and this game is notable for its 2.5D perspective, um, which kind of puts standard side-scrolling mechanics in a three-dimensional space. So the levels and the paths you take kind of twist and turn and loop around each other, kind of like a roller coaster. So it's still a platformer. It's still 2D, but the actual path kind of exists on three dimensions. This is very much a product of its time as well. Um, and we'll get into that uh, when we talk about the uh, the general positives but uh, of, of all of the games that you know took advantage of this kind of technology. This one definitely is successful, and it's notable for that. Um, the game is also fairly cinematic too. Has lots of cutscenes. It's very story heavy uh, for a platformer game. Um, they're kind of presented in this weird simlish, simlish kind of language uh, that is translated uh, in text boxes. It's not Japanese. It's not uh, anything like that. It's, it's its own, you know, kind of created, made up uh, kind of language. Right, which is really smart. I mean, that was one of the things they did. Um, you know, that makes localization a breeze. You know, for one thing, where they don't actually have to retranslate the language. And it also kind of adds to this, you know, kind of strange alien feeling, kind of enforces the setting yeah. a lot. Um, mechanically, the way that Klonoa, you know, deals with enemies is he has this thing called a wind bullet, which lets him, uh, he kind of inflates enemies, and then he can grab them and lift them over his head. And uh, he can either throw them just, you know, since time immemorial when you throw enemies in video games. <laughs> um, but he can also throw them downward and get this kind of double jump. Um you know, which is kind of is probably the most noteworthy kind of new mechanic in this game is this kind of like using the enemies as a mobility tool. Um, he can also he has like a very short, um, slow glide, kind of like uh, Princess Toadstool in Super Mario Brothers Two. But it is a, uh, it's only there or more like um, it's a little bit more like Yoshi and Smash Brothers. Oh yeah, yeah. Where he just kind of, you know, and just kind of tries to. <laughs> you, you can just if you're just barely gonna miss a ledge, you can get on there. Yeah. And just get a little bit more horizontal. Just a little bit doesn't give you much. It doesn't give you much of an advantage, except if you're trying to uh, time a uh, if you're trying to time a particular jump. It's more for timing, right. I guess. Than, yeah, that, uh, I guess that's reach. probably true. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it, it, it the game does make a lot of its mechanics. Um, yeah, I, I would I would agree. Yeah, uh, you know, Clono it was received really really well by critics, but it sold very poorly outside of Japan. Um, it got a direct sequel that came here um, and a couple of different spinoffs, including a volleyball game for some reason. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah I was reading about that. It's yeah. a top-down RPG, too, which is kind of interesting to me. Yeah, that is weird. It was only made in, in Japan. Yeah. Like Namco, you get you get the sense that they were really trying to make Klonoa their mascot. 
Mm-hmm. You know, if he has, I mean, and it's really, really like distinctly Namco. This game is, he has Pac-Man on his hat and, you know, he basically, uh, went to the dig dug school of dealing with enemies. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> dig dug you. Yeah. yeah. Dig dug you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, the game actually was remade for Wii, uh, here a couple of years back. Um, I went online and looked at some videos of it, uh, and, uh, it looks like a really good remake too. Uh, they, it's, they still keep the two, the two and a half D kind of feel, but, uh, instead of being sprites on polygons, everything is, uh, is, is done out in, uh, in polygons. So that, that looks like something that is, uh, worthwhile to pick up if you are, if you are interested in the subject matter. So, and, and it's really neat that they, they remade this because it's definitely, um, like a cult classic. Not only do the critics really like this, but I've, I've read a lot online, a lot of people kind of lauding it as, as this, you know, this really great game that has just not gotten got enough credit. So a lot of affection for this game, and uh, you know, mostly deserved. I think that we would think not uh, not entirely, but mostly deserved. And uh, it was good that you know a new generation of people were able to to give it a shot. Oh, on the one system where very few people would be able to see it. Yeah, I guess I guess <laughs> that's true. Um, we we did not play the remake. Um, we played the original PlayStation version yeah it was released on psn back this uh this past winter you can pick it up for six bucks it's uh you know well we'll get to this at the end but it's probably worth your time maybe depending on your tolerance for certain things uh speaking of tolerance and something that we just barely tolerated let's talk about the plot (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah uh uh this is this is where this is going to get cute so so in the the plot of this game klonoa is this kind of cat person cat creature anime thing and uh he's from the the, the wind village of breezedale um in the land of phantomile um and it's it's powered by dreams is kind of the central conceit here um he finds this friend uh called hupo and he's kind of a ring spirit like and they kind of show a cutscene in the beginning where this ring falls from the sky and he finds it and it's just this kind of little like imp sprite creature that uh that lives there um at some point, though, uh, Hupo is startled by a dark airship crashing into a nearby mountain. And uh, this is the opening move of the main villain, a, villain, a guy named Gaudius. And he has this henchman named Joka. And their idea is that they're going to kidnap uh, the diva Lafiz. Am I pronouncing that right? Lafiz? Yeah, well, as a Lafiz. Lafiz? That's, that's Lafiz. And uh, use her to end the world by unleashing the power of nightmares as opposed to dreams. Yes. Uh, Klonoa and Hupo, they kind of chase Gadius, you know, across the various elemental kingdoms of Phantom Mill, uh, until they find out that he is actually seeking out, uh, the pendant that Klonoa's grandpa carries. Uh, tragedy ensues. Klonoa hurries home, but it's too late to save his village, uh, and his grandpa, uh, from Joka, so it is now personal. Yes, and then he, he does the, the scream. Yep. You know, <laughs> um, he does, he does the no. Do not want. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So the, the uh, you know, so you kind of and you continue, um, you know, going through the different zones until eventually you end up in the Moon Kingdom, and that's where we find out that Hupo is actually the Moon Prince. Um, he is secret royalty, and uh, all the different world leaders that you've met along the way join up with Klonoa to help you defeat Gaudius. But uh, with his dying breath, Gaudius unleashes a nightmare, you know, Lovecraftian monstrosity called Nahatum or Nahatum. Yeah, and then after defeating this monster, you know, it's the, you know, like everybody banding together and things like that. And he swallows you. It's, it's weird. Just like everything. It's, it's like a seven is. stage boss fight. It's like, it, like it's, it's, it's long. 
It's and, very, very really close. But uh, fortunately, it has checkpointing, which is nice. Yeah. Um, but after you, you know, defeat this harrowing 20-minute-long boss fight, uh, you know, the world is at peace. And Klonoa says, you know, let's go back and rebuild. But Hupo says, and this is the twist, so you may want to cover yours for about 30 seconds. Hupo says, like, hey, Klonoa, you're not actually from this world. In fact, I just kind of, like, brought you here. And gave you fake memories, so you're not the person you think you are. Not actually even a person, even. Um, and right. when Lafice, uh, is going to sing the song that, uh, takes the world back to normal, you're gonna go away to some other dream. And, uh, bye bye. And the game ends with Klonoa grasping and trying to stay in Phantomiel, but not being able to. And yep, being dude. severed from everything he has apparently known and loved. Right, right. <laughs> I always presumed he was going back to his original, original world. But I guess the uh, the sequels of this game, um, he's in various different dream worlds, and it's always he's always kind of tasked with uh, saving them. Yeah, he's called so, like uh, a he's dream kind of like a quantum traveler. leap. Yeah, yeah, he's a dream traveler. So it's a little bit like quantum leap. Like he gets summoned into these different dream worlds to to jump on all their monsters. Oh man! So, Let's do a fan dub where Scott Bakula does the uh, does the voice. Um, so yeah, dude, why don't we talk a little bit about the game? Now, fair warning, um, and I think this is probably going to be true with a lot of platformers we do, where uh, some of the levels kind of run together. So, um, you know, we're going to kind of talk about generalities as we go, but kind of a level-by-level breakdown. Um, Cole, when we were off mic, uh, not off mic, but off recording, Cole put it out pretty well, where the kind of the first half of this game is the Green Hill Zone. <laughs> um, so, so, And that is definitely true, so... Um, you know, maybe a little sparse as far as specific level details, but things will come back to us. Yeah, things will come back to us as we go. And, you know, the, the, the one thing that can be said about the game is that as the levels kind of increase in visual interestingness, they kind of increase in complexity and the two and a half D kind of aspect scales really well to that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah I, would, I would totally agree with that. So, I mean, and, you know, just as a function of the way, you know, linear time works, uh, the later part, I remember that more because I played it more recently, but also I remember it more because it's more memorable. <laughs> you, right. This know. game is very short. So you paid, played it more recently, but not that much more recently. Yeah. You know, part of the reason why you picked this game is because of its bite-sized nature. Yeah. So it's mostly, I feel like, that just more interesting things happen in the last half of the game. Yeah, that's true. Um, so... Yeah. But it, I mean, it gives you a slow trickle of, you know, kind of like teaching you how to get around the world, you, you know, run, running from left to right and then from right to left and trying to explore things. And it, and it doesn't spring an awful lot on you until you, until you hit a little bit later. So the, the, the game does a, a real good job of kind of teaching you the, the base mechanics and the kind of the primary one is this wind bullet thing that we talked about. And this is a very short range that'll just, you know, I don't even know what visually is happening. <laughs> When you do it, just like a little energy ball comes out of your chest and uh, you grab guys, you can inflate them and then hold them over your head and do that. You just have a double jump. And that's kind of, you know, that's the main thing. In the beginning, they, they teach you how to do that by putting like shinies, you know, out of reach yeah. or platforms you're going to want to get to kind of out of reach. Nothing ever tells you to do it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you, you know, know that there has to be a way to get up there. Yeah. And uh, it kind of teaches you, teaches you that. One of the things that could either be really positive or really negative about the game is you could say it's, you know, incredibly easy. I tend to like things that are easy um, just because they don't get in the way of themselves. But the game does a very good job of providing for you. It wants you to, 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 to succeed to a certain extent. So, so if there's a puzzle 
or a situation that, you know, requires you to have an enemy to throw at a specific time, it'll, it'll give you an infinitely respawning source of enemies in order to do it. So it's not about resource management and it's not about kind of like trying to puzzle your way around things. It's more about trying to figure out how to execute on it. Yeah. You can never screw yourself. Exactly. And in that way, it's exactly the opposite of Oddworld. <laughs> right, 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 right. You never screw yourself. Even though I would say that, um, when, when you talk about it wanting you to succeed, there are a couple of design choices. Um, one specific one I had a big beef with that kind of run contrary to that. Um, and some real difficulty spike stuff later. Oh yeah. As well. Um, so yeah, you just, you kind of just go to the right. Um, the enemies, the, the things you're fighting remind me of the enemies in Kirby. Yeah. You know, like the little red guys in, in Kirby mm-hmm. and stuff. And I, I, before too long, you start being introduced to the kind of the enemies with a little bit of a twist to them. Like there's ones with shields where they have to be attacked from the back. Um, I think is the first one that's that's introduced. And, and you got uh, ones that are on springs. They, right, so they, they can jump, yeah. Um, and later there'll be many, many more variants of these kind of enemies, but uh, these ones, at least initially, are all you're really running into. And uh, and that's, you know, really all there is mechanically for, like, the first couple levels. Yeah. Um, you know, you uh, you eventually you run into, there's a, an old man in who's on a mountain, and he is uh, he's working on a sculpture, of uh, Luffy's. And uh, this is kind of a nice moment because a lot of times in this game you run into something and it looks like it's going to be a boss fight and it turns out to be an ally. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a nice little, like, you know, expectation subversion. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you run into him and then how exactly does that segue into the first boss fight? I forget. Like, that's, that, that's like, right when, you, like, Gadius and Joka make their first appearance, actually. Yeah, they, they, I think, yeah, I think they just show up. Yeah, they're just like, yep, we're here, we're, we're going to kidnap Lefis, and you don't know why just yet. Oh, and here's this, here's this thing for you to fight. Right. Yeah. And so, so Gadius is, is a pretty well-designed character. Like, I really like him. He looks a little bit like, um, his body is a little bit like Cloak from Marvel Comics. Yeah. Where it's just kind of this big, long, big, huge cape. And whenever you get to see inside of it, it's just, you know, mind-bending psychedelia, <laughs> you know, on the inside of it. Like, he, he looks like he is a portal to another dimension, mm-hmm. you know, kind of made manifest. And he wears this long, creepy kind of bird mask that's a little bit like a plague doctor yeah. mask. And, and you can see his face under it a little bit, too. So yeah. that's not his actual face. It's very right. clear that he is being a very imposing mask. Um, he's got this little sidekick by the name of Joka, who is pretty obnoxious. Like, he's a little bit like those guys from Final Fantasy IX, those two <laughs> little jester things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of Joka. No, no. And, you know, to a certain extent, that should probably, you know, be intentional. You're not supposed to like him. But, no, I know, but I, I wasn't. I wasn't compelled by him either. It wasn't, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't somebody I loved to hate. You know, it was just like, ugh. So you could just so if so if you had a continuing a, a continuum of, of video game clown villains with Kefka on one side, <laughs> Joko would be on the other. Is that what yeah, you're maybe. saying to me? Yeah, I I was annoyed more than anything. <laughs> I I wasn't disliking him. I was annoyed. Um, yeah, I guess that's true. And then with those little guys from Final Fantasy IX somewhere in the middle. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then that car that Koopa drives around in uh, Super Mario World, <laughs> somewhere a little bit to the right of that. Oh, yeah. And, oh. uh, huh. There yeah. you go. He also remind uh, Gadius rem- reminds me kind of of uh, Count Black from uh, Super Paper Mario, too. Oh, yeah. 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 I yeah. could I could definitely see it. Yeah. So a grand tradition of uh, enemies that are, you know, corporeal head and corporeal cloak with, you know, 
hor- yeah. horrifying dimensions inside. Non Euclidean cloakery. There we go. Yeah, yeah, non Euclidean cloakery. There we go. Um, I I really like how how serious he looks. Like this is kind of the first. You know, this game does a little bit of like playing with light and dark, and uh, this is kind of the first. You know, this guy means business. You know, when he first shows up, and I kind of like that. Joker just looks like you know he's a little clown, little Harlequin enemy, but yeah. you know, uh, Gaudius looks really pretty serious. It pulls yeah. it off really well because he is an outsider, you know, from, from you know, he's, he's not part of that world and everything up until you see him, you know, is just sickeningly saccharine. Yes. Um, so, yeah, you know, Joka and uh, Gaudius summon the first boss who is this kind of weird, like turtle maraca golem giant thing. <laughs> I don't really know how to explain him. He's like some kind of giant bird, green and brown bird monster. Yeah. Yeah. Vaguely reptilian. With a with a with a right. big glowy red tail, which... right? And he, it does the same thing that um you know the uh, bubble bobble and boss fallacy where it's you know if, if no no nothing would just enter the arena you'd never be able to win, you know. <laughs> so so they just enemies kind of pop in and out from the the foreground and uh, the uh, the background for you to to throw at him. Um, so it's it's pretty easy. It's not hugely challenging. Um, it does kind of introduce, so when we talk about it being, uh, two and a half D, what's really interesting is that, um, it uses that where, you know, hitting down on the controller is not down, it's forward towards the camera and up is away. So the game works with all of those dimensions. So when enemies jump onto the screen, they jump from, you know, like below your, your field of vision into the playing field. And sometimes this can be tricky. Like I definitely got hit by a couple of them. Mm-hmm. Without expecting it, did that happen to you? Yeah, just a little bit because because like of the per because of the perspective and because of just the the, the way the things scaled, it was very difficult to judge distance. Um, I actually found myself kind of wishing I was on the 3DS playing this. Um, yeah, that would actually yeah. that would be a really good remake right there. Not indie devs right. get on it. Um, yeah, yeah, or <laughs> professional devs. Yeah, professional devs. Um, Nintendo of America get on it. The, that would be incredible because it would look the way that, like, you know, especially when later when you're in the kind of like mine type levels uh-huh. where the, the, the paths really start winding in and out of each other, mm-hmm. that would look great on 3DS. Yeah. So that, that is a good idea. Yeah. And there are just a um, lot of, there, there's, there's a lot of gameplay that does, that does kind of like depend on you being able to judge depth. And because of the way that the enemies are rendered as, as kind of these, you know, Super Mario RPG sprites, you, you know, you can't really depend on, them scaling in a way that like makes sense spatially right 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 yeah, absolutely and there's definitely there's one puzzle very specifically near the end that the lack of ability to tell how far something was in the background caused me a lot of difficulty yeah and that would have been ameliorated by that mm-hmm. yeah. but you know th- this this boss fight takes advantage of that two and a half d by you know, actually being set in this kind of toroid arena. So, you know, it's like you're running around <laughs> on this big ring. And the trick is you have to hit this thing in the tail, which, of course, Joker right. says, you know, hey, you know, watch out, protect your tail. You know, Joker always gives right. you, always, always tells you what the, what the weak spot is. But, but, uh, but Rongo Lengo is an idiot yeah. and he doesn't protect his tail. <laughs> no, no, he does not. In fact, he, no. he is very slow to turn around when, you know, as you, as you run around behind him. So, whereas in any other 2D platformer, you'd have to wait, you know, for him to jump so you could get under him. In this case, you can actually run around and get behind him. And, right. Uh, Which is pretty time. neat. And a, a lot of the boss fights take place in, in ring shaped environments to try and take advantage of that. Yeah. Um, so, in fact, I, I think more, more or less all do. Yeah. Well, like, a couple I'm of trying no- to think of a boss fight where there's, 
with you know, a couple, it's not in a ring. With one or two notable exceptions, like which we'll get to later. Um, yeah, I, I I can remember at least one. That is a, that is a very notable exception because yeah. it was very it's pretty it's pretty rare. Yes. Yeah, so this, and this is, you know, this is real easy. The enemies that are provided to you as ammo are not protected. It is, it is just like straight up very easy. And afterwards, uh, you find out that, you know, you head to the water kingdom and, uh, you, you see that the, there's a waterfall and it's flowing backwards. Yeah. And, uh, in a really nice, surreal kind of image. <laughs> Love that. And yeah. it takes you into one of the few water levels in any given uh, video game that does not suck. Yeah, and then mostly because you don't go underwater at any point. Exactly. So you, you, you sometimes, you know, kind of slide on water like a, uh, like a, on a water slide, but you're never actually underwater. Yeah. And there's so. some fun puzzles about, uh, like, you know, water powered machinery in this one too, which is, uh, which is pretty right. neat. You, you find out that the reason, so the, the water is flowing backwards. And the reason why is because to, in order to dry up the forest. So there's kind of this weird sense that you're following clues. Mm-hmm kind of backwards like there's a cause and effect relationship between these things you're kind of investigating so you find this this dying forest then you you go to investigate you know why that is and you see this waterfall is flowing backwards the forest is knocking enough water and then after this you find out why the waterfall is flow, you know flowing backwards so there's kind of that element to it which is kind of neat are, you know as along with your request are you trying to bait me into saying diegetic progression <laughs> for the bingo card uh, yes <laughs> okay. no I'm not. i didn't i wasn't thinking of it but okay yes, it's, it's i'll say it it counts for nothing it's, it's diegetic progression. yeah no it so. just uh it's it, it, it gives justification for the narrative and really the most that you can say for any for any given video game you know story uh, and this is lifted directly from justin McElroy is why do i care about what i'm doing next and, right. you know, for as, for as simple as it is and for as much as you don't care about the characters or stuff like that, it at least gives you enough, mo- enough motiv- motivation to see the next thing. Right. Yeah. And this is, I mean, so the, the kind of the cutscene at the end of this one, I remember is when I first started getting kind of annoyed also with, uh, with the character, um, and Hugh Poe. I mean, they're, they're so anime and they're so squeaky. <laughs> and the way that their dialogue, it's isn't that weird. He's anime clumsy. Yeah. Where like he runs into a character and then falls down and then the character's like, what'd you do? And he's like, um, I'm sorry. Whoa. And then, <laughs> you know, his ears go up and it's, it's real like slapstick, like anime slapstick, mm-hmm. which is, is one of my, you know, I, I don't like anime <laughs> and it is one of the things I like least about it. Like I recognize there's some good stuff out there, but I feel like, you know, most of it is just for terrible people to masturbate to. And, <laughs> and if it's not that it's this, you know. Um, it takes a lot for me to get over something being anime. It really has to, it really has to extend above and beyond. But, uh, you end up meeting, so the, the, the reason that the water is flowing backwards and the forest is dying is because the Sea King, uh, Sea Doff, uh, has been corrupted. Uh, you find this out because there's a little fish who asks you to find his mom and his mom is named Pamela and Pamela is being used, uh, by Sea Doff as his mighty steed. Uh, in order to mm-hmm. uh, in order to fight you, right? And and this boss fight um, is interesting because the the enemy uh, or the main boss uh, traverses that that axis of going from the background into the foreground. Mm-hmm. So when you can when you can hit the enemy is kind of tricky. Like it's easiest when when she's coming towards the camera because you can line up your shot very easily. But um, 
that's also dangerous because she's coming right at you. Yeah. Otherwise, there are many times where I tried to, I thought I would hit her in the background and just barely missed. Yeah. And, uh, your ammo is pretty limited in this. Like the, the time the enemies kind of fly out on these balls, um, you know, it's not, it's not frequent. You only get so, you know, a shot every kind of a, a substantial period of time. Yeah. So it was very frustrating to miss. And this is one of the fir- one of the first boss fights where you're really asked to keep track of a lot of visual uh, information as it's happening. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that was something that I actually really liked about the game, even if it did introduce a certain amount of uh, frustration um, to you know to the boss fights. But because you know because you're you're, you're only able to run on one axis. And everything is, and things are happening on these, you know, on the Z axis too. You know, you are keeping track of trying to jump over these spike balls that the Sea King is throwing at you while you're also trying to find these enemies to use as ammo and trying to kind of, you know, Toro Toro Pamela to jump at you so you can, you know, run a little bit to the left and hit her. And, you know, it's asking right. you to keep track of a lot. Um, and, you know, this accounts for some, you know, this, this causes a lot of difficulty spikes later. But I think that it is a good way to it is it is a legitimate way to add challenge. I guess is what I'm is what I'm trying to say. I, I agree that it works really well here. A lot of the boss fights later on in the game, I felt like had one element too many. Okay, mm-hmm. you know th- this would have been fun and challenging without this one extra thing to keep in mind. And uh, there's some weird kind of um, so we didn't, we didn't talk about this so the in kind of just just tweaking things like the things I think would have made it a little bit better. I wish Klonoa was invincible a little bit longer after getting hit. Oh yeah, like not hugely. I you know I don't need you know uh, uh, 30 seconds. I just need a little bit longer because you can take hit six hits. You have you have six hit points. You know every every time you're at full health. Hmm. Um, but it's very they can go down really quick. Like, it's really easy to get cornered and lose three or four of them before you're able to get out. Um, you can't move through enemies when you're invincible or flashing. Mm-hmm. So later on, there are some platforming things, and also in these boss fights where you're trying to get to an area you need to get to grab ammo or avoid, like, a large attack. And you, you hit a, an obstacle or an enemy, and then, you know, you can't go back, you can't go forward. You get kind of trapped, and you're just kind of forced to take multiple hits. And I feel like the invincibility should either have allowed you to move through things, so it's like, okay, you fucked up, but move on to the next challenge. Yeah. Or uh, uh, lasted a little bit longer so you could excrete yourself from the, the situation. And just in general, too, that whole six hit point thing, it th- there are no health pickups in the game. Very rarely do you There's find very rare. Uh, yeah. Especially in boss and fights. And never, almost never during boss fights. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, you just get – so this – I mean, while we're just kind of talking about gripes, you know, this is a thing <laughs> – um, you have, uh, you know, the most, uh, valuable commodity is lives. And the reason why is that when you run out of lives, you, you know, you go back to the beginning of the world, like, or you go back to the beginning of the zone, kind of regardless. So you, you'll go back to the beginning of a boss if you lose a life. But if you run out of lives, you go back to the last time you saved, which can be really far back. Like later on, the levels get very complicated, you know, where something that would be, uh, four levels in the beginning of the game is actually one level. Mm-hmm. You know, there's one specific hub where you have to collect four crystals. And if you lose your, your last life, you go back to the very beginning of that, which is obnoxious. But when you save, it saves the number of lives you have. So God help you if you start a world with zero lives. 
So it just means anytime you die, you know, if you die once, you're going to go back to the beginning of that world and you're not going to, you don't get three lives to start fresh. You start with however many you saved with. Mm. And that's really annoying. Like that is very obnoxious. Yeah. I never ran into that. That sounds awful. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, you know, because uh, well, you're just better at video games than I am. Um, <laughs> well, no, well, no I, I didn't mean that as like a backhanded, you know, backhanded. No, know. You're you're bad at video games. No, I, I just, I was, I was never, I was never in that situation where I, I guess I never noticed respawning or you know, kind of like restarting at the last save. I always kind of noticed restarting at the beginning of the level. But yeah, that is a frustration. That that definitely became annoying. That's what ultimately caused me to quit the game. Was that uh. The last like level, which is brutally hard, dying on that boss and having it start me at the beginning of that level with very few lives. And that was just like, you know, I'm not going to get to this boss with enough lives to actually finish it. So I'm, I'm done. Yeah. So, hmm. but anywho, uh, <laughs> um, so after you, after you, uh, defeat, uh, Seedoff and realize he's been mind controlled, um, you know, Pamela is free from his influence and she gives you a, a, a ride to uh to the next level yeah. where there's not much to say about that part okay no but once you get through this kind of unmemorable unmemorable area you get to what i consider to be like one of my favorite uh kind of places which is a, a chapter called the stopped gear uh but it is kind of the clockwork uh steampunk kind of area where you are definitely doing a lot of backtracking and you are definitely doing a lot of puzzle solving in order to get these contraptions to kind of carry you um uh, where you right. This, this is where the game kind of comes alive for me too. Like yeah. this is where where the level design got really pretty fun and interesting. Yeah, and just it, it it's it, it takes advantage of the depth and it takes advantage of that perspective in a really really interesting way. Um, you know, because these levels are kind of you know, designed to be folded in on each other uh, like they are, you can get a really good sense of where you're at by looking into the background. Um, mm-hmm. and this makes it, you know, so even, even as levels get more complex, it gives you enough clues as to where you're at, you know, that you can get your bearings even without a map in some of these bigger levels, which I think is, uh, is just super. Right. This is, this is also where they, um, they mechanically introduce the like triple jump. Oh yeah. You know, there's a part where, um, Joka is up on a platform. He tells you it's impossible to get up there and, uh, you have to, you know, jump, grab an enemy, double jump, grab another enemy, and then get up onto the platform he was on. So later, this is going to become very important. Um, but they kind of enter, they really signal it really early. Like, you do not need to do it for another, like, four levels. Mm-hmm. But they, they teach you here, which is kind of uh, interesting. And it's one of those video game maneuvers that makes you re- feel like a real badass when you do it. Like, just uh, the, the, yeah. the, 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 yeah. the way that you pull it off. Obviously, they set you up to succeed with it. And just kind of like, oh, I see two enemies that are vertically aligned above each other. I'm going to have to do that. But, you know, it, it feels satisfying each time you do it. And there's something to be said for that. It's totally possible that it, it wouldn't have occurred to you that, that it's possible at this point. That's you know, true. They, you would not even have thought to do it. Yeah. You know? But of course, Joka being, uh, the, the self-destructive, self-sabotaging type that he is, uh, he, he gives you the key by, by taunting you. But, uh, yeah, just a real standout level all around, um, that ends in kind of a, kind of a dud of a boss fight, but that's just me, really. Yeah. Yeah. What, what the boss fight does do is that it, you know, when you when you double jump using an enemy, you throw the enemy straight down. And up until this point, there were no opportunities or reason to use that as an attack. Actually, so that's was, what they're introducing with this boss. What was really neat, and like it, I kind of felt like it, it felt I felt like an idiot when I realized it. 
like that that was how you were achieving the double jump was by throwing enemies down. I, I realized it in this boss fight, but there are occasions earlier where there are boxes that you can, you know, break break apart to get health or pickups or stuff like that oh, that yeah, are positioned in such a way that like I would try and throw down, but instead I would throw 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 an enemy into the foreground. Like, man, how the hell do I do that? And I just was I wasn't paying enough attention to realize that Klonoa was double jumping by throwing an enemy down to achieve thrust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, there there are opportunities to do it, but this is where it makes it obvious. This is yeah. This is where it, well, it doesn't just make it obvious. This is where you have to learn to, well, to yeah, move on. That's true. Because yeah. it's going to become essential later on yeah. in the uh, the game. So just you know, just like all all great you know all good game design, it's it's introducing you to the levels it's going to use later. Mm-hmm. You know, last levels and last bosses are just supposed to be final exams that cover the entire <laughs> term. Yes. And uh, that's you know that's definitely true here. Uh, you know this 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 boss. Uh, it's like a big plant creature that uh, opens up at the center, and the only the only vulnerable place is from above. So that's why you have to why you have to do that. Um, and I do not remember very much about these next levels. Nope. <laughs> uh, the, the, the next two levels, I just I really don't have much for. I know after this, it gets really memorable, and I know them very well. Yeah, yeah. This, this is some kind of placeholder stuff. Um, and the plot is really important because you you're going back to get a key from your grandpa. That you need, yeah. and uh, you know, once does Joker beat you there, or does he show up when you're there? Like he beats you there. Like you, you're rushing back to to, to the village because you find out that the pendant that uh, uh, Gestal, not Gestal, why am I thinking? Gestal's the emperor from Final Fantasy VI. <laughs> the pendant that Ga- that Gadius <laughs> yes. is looking for, it, it, your your grandpa owns it, and you find this out from uh, from one of the from one of the world leaders of one of the kingdoms that you go to. So you're rushing back thinking your village is going to be in peril, uh, which is, which is true because, you know, when you get there, Joka has burned it to the ground and, you know, killed her grandpa and taken everything, you know, from. Yeah. 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 And if only he, Klonoa knew then what he knows now that his grandpa didn't actually exist. Yeah. You know, or that his grandpa was just, he was a person, he was there, but it wasn't his grandpa. Yeah, regardless of which, this is a very heartrending scene. Um, you you go into two levels that neither Cole nor us nor I can really remember anything about. Yeah, like you, so, you're, you're you're rushing back. Like Pamela takes you, you know, so far, and you get to like like one of them is just kind of like a revisit of the forest level. The other one is like a it's called the Leviathan's Cavern. It's like a, it's like an ice level kind of place. Uh, ice levels are always bad, almost as bad as water levels. Right. Um, but uh, it's, weird, it's weird. Like uh, one of the, one of the things that just like, again, like that, just kind of tweaking that I wish was done. I felt like Klonoa slid a little bit more than I needed him to. Stopping, like his inertia is a little bit much. And I, I later on, like this, you know, at this point in the game, there's not a lot of heavy platforming. Um, but the the game becomes bottomless pitville, you know, real <laughs> soon. Yeah. And and there's several times where I just slid a little bit too far and and would fall into a pit. Which is pretty frustrating. Yeah. I get a little bit frustrated with any platformer that isn't Mario, because that <laughs> is that that, that that is you know kind of to me the the platonic ideal of the of, of I'm I'm not making any controversial statements. Uh, that is the platonic ideal of like what a platformer should be, and I I don't I don't think that there's any excuse not to just appropriate that jump height and distance wholesale, uh, and also the inertia and the way that he moves. Um, I, I don't, I don't care if it's copyright infringement. If the Nintendo has a patent on it, if it doesn't operate like Mario, it will always feel off to me. Um, so then after this, this kind of generic level, you, you fight this boss named Balladium. And he's kind of this big flying snake and you're on a, a swinging arena. You throw enemies into him in the, the background and he's four glowing sides. It is a boss fight really reminded me of Star Fox. 
It was like you're just kind of hitting these little targets on him. Yeah, it's asking a lot of your precision too. Um, and I just I can't say enough about how memorable the uh, the arena is. You know, most of the rings. This is the one big exception to you know you're fighting enemies on on uh, on, on rings. Um, and uh, yeah, mm-hmm. just in in general, it's uh, you know even if you aren't playing this game, look up a YouTube. Uh, of of this of this we'll probably put one on the show notes uh but it's uh it's it's pretty cool uh makes me a little motion sick mm-hmm. um i wouldn't want to be on a 3ds while i was playing this <laughs> but uh but yeah you're, you're in constant motion right it's, it's it's real fun it's a good it's one of the best boss game boss fights in the the game yeah and then after this is where the game kind of really really goes into the non-linear exploration kind of mode mm-hmm. yeah this is a huge huge sea change this is kind of what it's been hinting at and this is also a difficulty spike Oh yeah, like this is a, a a big place where the game gets more a lot tougher. Um, you go to the Temple of the Sun Kingdom and you have to collect uh, four orbs, and you can tackle them in in any order you'd like. Um, there's not any impact if you do them in different orders, I don't think. Um, but it's still nice to have that freedom. So if you get frustrated with one, you can try you know another couple, you know another one, and then kind of go back. And this is where the life system and the checkpointing kind of gets just a little bit, you know, out of control, really, because mm-hmm. uh, I I had this was one of the levels that I had to replay um, at least once, and really replaying any level more than more than that one time is uh, is unacceptable to me, honestly. Right. <laughs> so I had, it's, I had it's, it memorized. It's, right, and it comes with that that difficulty. You know, it's it's a lot harder, so you're more likely to have to to replay things, and it's a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. Like this level would be at least two of the levels earlier on in the game, so uh, you know pretty pretty tricky, but still still really fun. Um, you know many, many more puzzles. Um, they introduced my least favorite enemy in the game in this level. Oh, yeah. So you know they've been kind of playing with the different uh, you know different ways they can you know make it so an enemy you just can't grab them. And this one they introduced this enemy that has a fire ring around him that uh, grows and shrinks. So the idea is you can kind of jump into his ring and grab him. And I could not do this without getting hit. So every time I ran into these enemies, I just pretty much just walked up to them, got my you know fraction of a second of invincibility, and just grabbed them through the fire. <laughs> but I just could not do it without getting hit. Later, they introduced these enemies with a, a ball and chain that goes back and forth, where it's the same idea, but those worked fine. Yeah, I liked those things. This thing, these things, pissed me off. Like they were really difficult for me to get past. It just uh, the, the 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 whole the whole idea of managing the distance that you have to keep from these enemies in order to keep from being hurt. Right. And it was it was easy. Like if 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 there were other enemies around, it's easy to jump over those guys and then do the double jump to throw it out and 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 hit them. But if it's the only one that you're trying to get past, then you have to try and you know sneak into the ring. And uh, that or when is, you uh, need them for a puzzle. Oh yeah, that, like, that, that happened a lot too. Yeah. Like because uh, you, know, you know the enemies are a resource as well in this game. And um yeah, and a lot of the puzzles and something that we haven't really alluded to in this discussion because it's really kind of a tertiary uh, a tertiary mechanic um, is that you're rescuing you know the members of these kingdoms as you go yeah. through. Like they're collectibles, you know, just like in Donkey Kong, you you know you 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 get the letters K O N G. Um, there's no real bearing for, for, for what I understand on your performance. It's just, you have six of these things that you can, you know, get at every level. Do you know if there's, if there's any kind of reward? Yes, there, there are two effects. Yep. So one is, um, on the save screens, it shows the world map and shows the little guys and they're like kind of singing and playing like little instruments. Okay. So the song in that stage changes. 
So the more guys you rescue, the more fully orchestrated that song is. Okay, that's neat. So that's not a, a mechanical benefit, but just kind of a nice little Easter egg. If you collect all of them, you do a incredibly hard bonus level that I have only watched on YouTube and <laughs> did not even remotely get close to getting. Um, that is constant triple and quadruple enemy jumps that require, you know, crackerjack precision. Yeah. And did not sound fun to me. Um, <laughs> but the, you do get a bonus, a bonus vision if you collect all of them. Oh, okay. So after uh, the, the get through the temple, and the temple, so you meet those two guardians of the temple. <laughs> like, what are they explaining to you? Like, there's two little, like, kind of Tweedledee, Tweedledum characters who come up and explain to you that you have to grab the orbs. But for the life of me, I can't remember what plot significance grabbing them has other than just letting you get to the, you know, the legendary kingdom or the moon kingdom or what have you. Yeah, that's really it. I kind of liked the, the, the interaction between them where one of them would say yeah, something. They're kind and of fun. Yeah, yeah. One of them would, would say something and then the other person would sum it up in just kind of the most terse way possible or contradict them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You know? they, they, they were they were they were good characters yeah they're cute after this you get into so the game is just at this point like every level is pretty much introducing a new neat thing mm-hmm. like this is really where the level like they get tough but this is where they're good um so the next level is called between light and darkness and the way that this is where it becomes klonoa you know from beyond to klonoa where every once in a while the level gets bathed in this kind of purple or blue light and when that happens, there are creatures you previously could not see that are floating around all the time um, <laughs> that are invincible. Um, so very much like From Beyond. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it's really tricky because you have to manage, you know, your timing. So it's, it's daylight when you have to use enemies. And when it's nighttime and these invincible, you know, more frequent enemies are around, you just kind of have to scramble for your, for your life. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a really cool level and, and really like pretty tough, but really fun. Uh, yeah. it, it got inconvenient at times, honestly. Like I would just find myself like, oh crap, just uh, at, the, at the very edge of, you know, like, okay, I have this enemy in my hands and I'm about ready to throw it into the background and hit the switch. Oh, nighttime. And now I have to run around for 30 seconds and, uh, do, you know, get like that, which I understand is the point. Um, but, uh, eh, I don't know. I felt a little bit arbitrary, even if I did really enjoy the premise and I enjoyed the wrinkle that it threw in, um, especially, you know, at at this point, they probably could have just rested on their on their laurels and not uh, and not added anything and just been content with what they had done. We've we've done a lot of games that are really front loaded, and this game is really back loaded. Oh, certainly. Um, you know, which is really interesting. Like the the best content in this game is at the end. Yeah. You know, by 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 a pretty big margin. So that that's an interesting choice, and you know, it didn't game didn't sell well. Like it's possible <laughs> that you know people who who didn't get into the game. You know, that might be it because they didn't get to this kind of more interesting stuff. Like it's, you'd be forgiven for picking it up and thinking that it was a, a Kirby game with one quarter of the charm, yep. you know, like with, without the, and without one quarter of like the fun, you know, utility that you get in Kirby. <laughs> like I, I definitely spent the beginning of this game wanting to be able to do more things and waiting mm-hmm. for more mechanics and stuff to be introduced. And they weren't for a long time. Um, so when they do, it actually is very fun and satisfying, but it just, it takes a while to get steam. Yeah, that's true. And then all of this kind of culminates in this, you know, uh, one big final. I like I, I like that the final exam uh, kind of thing. This uh, this yeah. last you know real level of the game as you're in this uh, as you're in this moon kingdom uh, and you found out that Hupo is the uh, is the moon prince or something. It really doesn't have a lot of bearing on on but, anything. But, He's but first, you have to fight. Uh, you finally get to kill Joker. Oh, that's Before right, that. right. Yeah, and yeah. you find out that he's actually a lobster. Because <laughs> of course he is. 
<laughs> well, because why, why not? not? <laughs> because <laughs> why not? He's he's a clown colored lobster. Exactly. So, yeah, and then this this boss fight, you know, it, it just keep, is consistent with the level where it's the the light and dark mechanic. You know, when it's light, he is just kind of this puffed up clown, and you you find enemies to throw at him. And when it's dark, he turns into this murder lobster. Yeah, and you have to uh, run around, um, kind of like Cubert, like mm. uh, touching all the tiles on this ring to trigger the transformation back to light. Yes, I really like this boss fight. Like I liked that as something, you know, that evasion mechanic like i just need to tag all these bases while trying to avoid harm Um, i thought that was real fun i like the idea in execution this just this almost made me stop playing the game because i ended up having to play through this level or the level that preceded it um three times (laughs) right so you had the experience i had in the last or in the the next level yes but with this one Yes. yes um just because you know those nighttime segments i couldn't find a way you know, during the day, it's fine. But in the nighttime segments, I couldn't find a way to avoid taking damage. So, like, I knew that if I lost more than one heart per night cycle, because, yeah, you know, you have to go through three of the night cycles in order to beat Joker, because every time you hit him three times, it'll get dark again. Um, right. You know, I, I knew that if I was losing it at a rate, you know, at more than that rate, it's kind of like, okay, I'm not going to have enough to, you know, to break it out. It does throw health regen at you, but the problem is it can fall off. Um, the, it can fall off the platforms. Um, it's trying to fall off the platforms. Yep. <laughs> it's moving away from you towards the pits. Yep. Like it doesn't want like it, it does not, you're an enemy for that health refill. Like <laughs> it does not want to get eaten. Do not yeah. consume me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, something that happened a lot with this game, like with bosses, is that um, because of that, like this, many of the bosses I had to do a lot of times in a row, to where I would master them. Like I would, I would lose, 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 and then beat them without taking a hit. Yeah. And I don't know why. You know, it was kind of strange. But at some point, just I just you know realized what I needed to do, and that was pretty satisfying. Uh-huh. It just never clicked in the last boss for me. Okay. But, yeah. And another one of the like kind of the frustrating things about Joker for me uh, is trying to hit him during the light segments. Um, just because he, he, he runs over, like he floats in between the ring and you have to mm-hmm. angle yourself to where you can hit him. Um, and you have to time hit cause he has these two protecting orbs that are swinging around him. So you have to time it so that you hit him. But if he's too far away, so if like, if you run around to the, to the other side of the ring and try and throw it at him, the, the enemies will kind of disappear in a puff of smoke before they hit. So you have to depend on like, okay, is he going to be at the right place in the, in the middle of this? And there were just so many times where I like, it would never present, present me with a good angle for a shot. Right. And that's when I, when I say there's one element too many, those, those little <laughs> shields, hovering around him. Like, it would have been a fun boss fight without that. Yep. It still had the mandatory breaks where you always have to do the evasion section. Yeah. It just made the, the parts where you actually, you know, can attack him just extra frustrating. Mm-hmm. You know, like, so just one element. It just needed, like, one element taken <laughs> out, and it would have been, you know, perfect. Exactly. Or, yeah, like, yeah. if you if if you could if you could knock one of them away... Or like as you as you hit one of those orbs and knocked it away, so all you had to do was pick up another one and throw it, and you'd just be more vulnerable. The part where it got like really like just unnecessary was if you went long enough without hitting him, it would become night anyway, and then you were going to be boned. So you needed to yeah. get those three hits in, otherwise, you know, it would it would take you. Ah, man, it really frustrated yeah. me a lot. <laughs> yeah, he, he it was, it was definitely a tough boss fight, and it's the you know it's the toughest boss in the game that I actually beat. So. Yes. Um, but uh, you know, so so after after you you know you kill Joker, which you know you wanted to do since you saw him. <laughs> yep. 
Um, but, and, uh, uh, presumably, you know, cracked open his shell and feasted on his, his hilarious, you know, clown meat. <laughs> like, um, the, uh, uh, you go into the, the legendary kingdom and this is a really, you know, every, everything the game's kind of been building to mechanically and teasing at all comes together. It's like a big kind of Metroidvania y, um, you know, going forward, getting, what's well, it's linear. You know, you have to go one by one. No, 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 you don't. Actually, in the second part, you do that. The, this part, it's, it is like, it's, it's totally, you know, it's pretty nonlinear. You're like, uh, triggering switches to dissolve certain color stones. Mm-hmm. So you can get into new areas. And, uh, this, this area is really fun. Like, both these levels are really cool. Yeah. Um, and I didn't experience a lot of frustration with these. I mean, uh, with, with some of it, it was, it was, you know, incredibly frustrating about, you know, like trying to figure out where to go next. Um, mm-hmm. you know, but that was kind of part of it and it was part of the design. Um, so it goes it, like for me, it went from being, you know, frustratingly linear to like, okay, well, where does it expect me to go? So I'm going to go and try all, all of these doors, you know, yeah. <laughs> to see if any of well, them. Well, it pretty, it's pretty easy to know, like once you've gone through a door that, or once you go through a door that you've already been there. Oh, yeah, like, I, like whatever the thing was, you know, so that was a little annoying to have to do it. But, um, I didn't find this first part that frustrating. This next part I found very frustrating though. Like, uh, this was the thing that I stopped wanting to do over and over again because of the boss. This game has the, the narrowest platforms <laughs> of like any, like, you know, in Mega Man 2 when you're being chased by that giant dragon. Oh, I hate that. Um, th- this game does that four times. <laughs> so there are four levels that just begin with you being chased by things, jumping from, you know, one character wide platform. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it also depends on, it's hard. It also depends on you being able to, uh, grab stuff out of the air in time to do a double jump. Yeah. Absolutely. Like it, those parts are hard. Like that was really frustrating to me and would just be a life suck, you know, uh, getting to, getting to that boss, you know, and so I didn't have enough lives in reserve to beat him. Um, so that was really frustrating. I, there should have been a checkpoint, you know, after every one of these little, <laughs> these levels, cause they're all really tough. Like mm-hmm. there's a part where you have to, there's these, uh, you know, you'll, there's a, there's a long vertical shaft with these boomerang throwing guys on mm-hmm. each side. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. That's really hard because, only the guy on the bottom respawns until if or nothing will respawn until you get to the bottom. So if you get halfway up and lose your guy, so you can't jump up any further, nothing will respawn in, in, until you do the entire thing over again. Right. You always have to go all the way to the bottom to get anything to respawn. Mm-hmm. And that was just like, ugh, come on, come on, Klonoa. <laughs> that, that pissed me off. Like that took a lot of life to get through that. Yeah, like a, like a lot of life, like in a, in a, in a literal sense, like you, you feel yeah, diminished yeah. because I'm, of it. I'm a year older. <laughs> that's, that's not, that's not true. I to, to be fair, like full, full disclosure, like this last level of this game and the last boss, I, um, was on a plane trying to beat it, uh, back from Illinois and my plane got delayed two hours and like two and a half hours because they had to de-ice it mm-hmm. and they had to do maintenance and stuff like that. And I was just, you know, had been, uh, I was ready to go home. So I was definitely really frustrated. Yeah. Um, so it was not the ideal environment. Yeah. Not for yeah. morale, not for anything. Gosh. Yeah. Huh. What's kind of interesting is they introduced these puzzles and these, these timing puzzles God, in this, this level. Mm, I really, yeah, they, <laughs> they're hard. Like they were satisfying once I figured them out, but it's like, it's something you said when we did uh, Abe's Odyssey is once you figure it out, that should be the work. Yeah. You know, and that's not the case here. Like once you figure it out, you're still going to fuck it up like 20 times. 
Um, because not only do you have to time your jump right, you have to time your grab right in order to grab stuff, you know, because there, there are enemies that are flying behind the scenery. And so you have to reach in and grab them like right when they're flying in, you know, by the window. Yep. And then you have to like, there, there's one in particular where you have to jump up, reach, grab it, and then get over and throw it at a switch in the background. And just, it is right. really, really, there's no margin for error. Which right. is contrary these are, these are to the rooms where there's game. like three switches in the in the in the room and they're oh, timed. Gosh. So you you have to click them and then uh, get all three of them within a certain amount of time. And it's so hard. When we were talking about the the depth uh, not being telegraphed well enough, the the final one of these where you have um, the two switches in the upper left and upper right that you have to double jump to, and then a switch in the center. The switch in the center is close enough to where you can just hit it. You don't mm-hmm. have to throw an enemy at it. But there's really no way to know that. Yeah. So I kept trying to. I would. I was like, okay, do I start with that? Because I'm gonna have to. These enemies don't respond fast enough to, to do it. You know, the way I'm going to want to. So do I start with that? Do I? Uh, you know, no matter how I was doing it, the enemies weren't responding fast enough for me to uh, to grab one. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up going online and watching someone do it yep. on YouTube, and then just saw, oh, okay, you can just hit that. Well, it'd be fucking nice to know that. You know, <laughs> when you know every other one that we've had to do, we have to throw to. Mm-hmm. You know, in this area. So that was, that was pissed me off. I got stuck on that for a good, good chunk of my flight. <laughs> just kind of pulling my hair out. I ended up buying, uh, uh, paying for Wi-Fi on the <laughs> flight to watch that YouTube. That's like, funny. It cost me like $5 to get past this fucking puzzle. <laughs> so it cost you as much yeah. as the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I, I, I doubled, uh, you know, doubled my cost to get past this stupid puzzle. Uh. It's like an in-app purchase. <laughs> um, you know, for solution $5 to, this to get past puzzle. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> See that like the I kind of liked these little segments like these puzzle rooms and you, you know you go through like five or six of them because you know that's the structure that the, these these levels take. Um, I kind of liked them because there were no stakes, you know. Yeah, just, yeah, like, yeah. Once you get there, you're you're unlikely to die. Right. You just keep trying as many times as you want. Yeah, and none you know none of the enemies that you're dealing with are especially dangerous. So really, it just kind of depends on you figuring out how to optimally make the run to do it. Which, uh, which works pretty well. I liked that it depended on you kind of knowing the jump, you know, knowing the physics really well by that point. Um, specifically, mm-hmm. um, you know, your, your jump distance and your running, but also, uh, but also how far your wind bullet would reach. I'm convinced that wind bullet is right. a mistranslation. There, there has to be a different, cause that I don't, I don't consider that to, to be any like kind a of wind bullet. bullet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But no, like, knowing how far you can grab and knowing like, okay, I don't have to run. If I run any further, if I get any closer to this, I just need to get right to the edge where I can hit it and then turn around and beat feet to the other one. And uh, right. that, uh, that that was really satisfying to me. Yeah, Once once I figured it out, it was very satisfying. Some of them, and they have that nice puzzle thing where like the best puzzles look absolutely impossible when you first see them. You know, mm-hmm. and then just after like a little bit of thought is when, you know, things kind of start falling into place. Yeah. And that was definitely true for this for, for a little while where I was like, oh, this, you know, there's no way to do this. This is impossible. <laughs> and then I was just like, okay, well, actually, you know, calm down, think it out, you know, and, and that was, that was really fun. So I really like, you know, I think this is probably, you know, other than the very frustrating things, you know, is, is one of the kind of the, the pinnacle of the game. Yeah. You know, where these bits. Mm-hmm. Um, and it leads to a pretty fun, you know, when you actually get to fight Gaudius, you know, which I, I was unable to beat Gaudius, but it's a cool boss fight. Like, it's a nice set piece. It's fantastic. You fight him inside this, like, gigantic rotating ring, um, like mm-hmm. a hamster wheel kind of, uh, kind of thing. Um, and so <laughs> what's really neat is that there are these portals that will, that will teleport you to the outside of the ring. 
right? And so right. when you're outside the ring, you can't hurt Gadius. And in fact, he just launches these barrages at you. So you have to rush in order to try and find a way back inside the ring to where you can actually fight him. Right. And he, you know, he's you know, obviously providing you with enemies to, to kill him on the inside. <laughs> and this part became very much about like geometry, like things would bounce off this ring and you kind of had to think like if something's coming at this angle and this ring is turning this way, like you had to try to predict which way it would, would bounce off because you had to grab enemies mm-hmm. from, from these projectiles. Yeah. And that was really cool um, and pretty fun. I never got the hang of the last one with the uh, the triangle shape thing he would throw. Yeah, the trick is you have to uh, you have to time your grab so that you can actually like, pull the pull the vertices off of it, and then hmm. that deactivates like the the force field that's keeping the enemies inside, and then you can okay. just pick them up and throw it back. You know, you're you're throwing stuff not at not at his face but into the kind of like dimension inside of his cloak. I guess. Right, he takes up almost the entire background yeah. of this level. Like you're floating in front of him, and he's he's huge on the screen. It looks really cool. Yeah, it's really menacing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good so, fight. Uh, yeah, I, I remember the music being pretty good on this one too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I did die, and then it asked me to redo that whole thing again, and I said, <laughs> "Fuck you," and didn't didn't do it. So yeah. Cole can can talk to us about the very end boss because I did not get to it. Yeah, the end boss is pretty cool, even if it is, you know, it does represent that uh, traditional Japanese uh, narrative approach of, like, you get to the end and then, like, oh, here's this big cosmic horror from out of nowhere that in no way was alluded to in the plot that you have to defeat. <laughs> right. so, so with his dying breath, uh, you know, Gadius, Gestalt, you know. Uh, right. you know <laughs> Gestalt. Yes, Gestalt. Gestalt, he, uh, he makes a hole out of the parts and he calls in uh, this uh, Nahatom character. Uh, which I guess is the big demon, the big demon he's been trying to summon all along. Um, and, uh, the, the way that you kind of have to defeat him, and it's a multi-stage fight. It's, uh, three stages. And, you know, it's kind of bookended by these, you know, the representatives from all the kingdoms coming and, you know, uh, manning these moon cannons, right? Moon pile. Mm-hmm. Um, what are, what are they? <laughs> uh, <laughs> is that our second Postilicus <laughs> reference, I think? Oh. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it is. Okay, I just Not wanted to make sure. Worthy, but what's that? Not quite going to go on the bingo card, but <laughs> okay. I think one more episode where yes. Frostilicus comes up, and that'll be it. <laughs> one more okay, we'll try and make a point. I'll, I'll make a card here yeah. for that. No, no, but uh, <laughs> you have to um, again run around in a ring around this gigantic Eldritch abomination, um, grabbing. Um, grabbing enemies and then throwing them, like loading them into these cannons that surround it. Uh, he, of course, is staying perfectly still in the center as these five cannons are pointed at him. Um, and then once you get all of the cannons loaded... It's a classic Phantom Isle standoff <laughs> situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except instead of everybody, everybody pointing at each other, everybody's pointing at one. It's a really weird, stand- mm-hmm. really weird kind of standoff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, he like he's he said he's sending like shockwaves at you that you have to jump over and everything. You fire all the cannons. Um, ooh, it's also pretty. It's also frustrating because uh, he, like he, as you're trying to grab these enemies, um, he sends his tongue after you, like this big walrus kind of tongue. And it, like you have to you know spend the next twenty seconds avoiding this tongue because if you try and like run a, you know, like run away from it, it will actually like, grab you and then he like gobbles you up and then it takes away like a heart or two hearts or something like that. Um, right. and just really kind of, you know, messes up your world just a little bit. I might as well restart right. at that point. Um, but, uh, after the spirit cannons are fired or the moon cannons are fired, uh, he gobbles you up and you are now inside the belly of the beast. Uh, 
and uh, you're fighting on this kind of uh, tilty platform kind of thing. Not quite like Mario World uh, fighting, uh, you know, the, the Koopa Kids tilty platform. But uh, he's represented in the back by these kind of like uh, eyes and like a Cheshire cat smile kind of thing. Shoots lasers mm-hmm. at you and you have to uh, pick up enemies and throw them at these orbs that are uh, only uh, in places where you can hit them like at the apex and the, you know, at the, at the bottom of the seesaw kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's fun. It's okay. Um, and then you go back outside for a final round of, okay, we've really got to finish them off this time. We're going to put the cannons uh, down below the uh, the platforms and you have to load the cannons by, you know, double jumping enemies into them into the cannons as they're underneath the gap in the platform. And then once you get those loaded up, it fires and then you win the game and then get a very sad ending. (laughs) And it's, it's, I know that like the, the people manning the cannons are all the, the regents of the, the different lands and stuff, but I felt like when I, I, I actually watched someone play this online, even though I didn't want to play it, and it was kind of like an emotional payoff they were looking for that I didn't really get invested. You know, like, here, remember these characters you feel nothing about? <laughs> you know, I hope you don't mind. I brought these things you feel neutral about. You know, it was, it was that kind of thing. Um, but the actual the actual ending is pretty pretty good. Like, it's, it's you know, it's... So, you, you know, Hupo, your little annoying sprite thing, says that, uh, you know, you need to work better or together to destroy the uh, Nahatum. And uh, he needs to be fired into the center of it. You do so, and you think that's what it's going for. It's just kind of like a boy and his dog kind of, you know, he sacrifices himself. And kind of an clever inversion of this, you know, Hupo ends up being fine. It kind of cuts to, like, later on, and they're, like, hanging out on a bridge or just doing whatever Hupo and, and Klinoa do when they're just hanging out on Sunday night afternoons or whatever. And, uh, you know, you know, Klinoa is talking about the future, and Hupo gets kind of pensive and quiet. And uh, says, you know, actually, you know, when this new world starts, when uh, Lafie's, uh, uh sings her song, you know, you're going back. I actually kidnapped you from your world and gave you false memories. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's actually a pretty, pretty severe uh, thing to do <laughs> to somebody. You know, like, yeah, this is your entire childhood. Everything you know is a lie. Like, Hupo is kind of the villain in this. Like, that's pretty nasty. A little bit. You know? And yeah. he fits that too. He's like he's in a position of power. He's royalty, you know. So he's yeah, just abusing he's his cousin. <laughs> he's abu- yeah. like why? Like why is Klonoa specifically like why? Why is he the only person who can save the world too? Well, the air bullet, wind yeah. bullet. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, had a guess. Like whatever the hell that thing is, <laughs> um, is is probably what it is. Yeah. Um. So you know, he tells him that he you know he cannot stay, and uh, he gets actually sucked into a portal and. Kind of, you know, again, like, you know, the reason why this ending has so much impact on people, I think part of it is that Klinoa never resigns himself to this. Like, he's never okay with it. Right. So the, the last scene in the game is him screaming and trying to, to not get sucked into this portal. Like, he's, he's not okay with how this ends. No, he's grabbing onto things and, and Hupo's like looking at him all sad, you know, like <laughs> holding on for dear life, trying to cling to this world. Yeah. It, 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 it's a pretty, it's pretty dark. Like, and, and I like that. I mean, I'm, the ending is this game is good. It's just like we said in the beginning, like, I wish that I cared more about the characters. Yeah. So, but, and then, yeah, that's Klonoa. That, that's Klonoa. I, I mean, would I recommend it? Like, like, would you, like, should you play, like, take the time to play it? I, I don't know. It, I guess it just depends on how much you like platformers. Cause like as a platformer, this is really good. 
I feel. Yeah, I, I would, I would say so. I would say that it's, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to find, you know, good platformers. It's kind of a genre that died, you know, and that's not, you know, a revolutionary thing to say, but 2D platformers are definitely on the way out. Um, this is, I would argue, say this is probably the best two and a half D platformer. Yeah. I mean, it's better than Pandemonium. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's yeah. Better, it's better than a stall. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think, I think it's worth playing, especially for six bucks. Like if you had to hunt it down on eBay and end up spending, you know, seven dollars, then no thanks. <laughs> but, or, you know, I would say maybe get the remake. I bet you the remake is, is I'm perfectly adequate and fun. I'm, I'm I'm actually really curious about about how they're. I mean, I, I wouldn't play it now, uh, just because you know, I just played it. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, no, no thanks. But if you ever get the urge to, get, if I ever get the urge to play it again, I'll probably get it, the remake. Yeah, um, it's fun. It's yeah. not. It's not great. And and you know, it's it's kind of a, in a way, it's a bit of a swan song because like platformers were really really kind of having an identity crisis. You know, by this time, in uh, 1997, mm-hmm. as you know, Bubsy 3D came in and swept the nation. And <laughs> sure, Buzzy Mania. I that. <laughs> Buzzy Mania, right? You know, and everybody yeah. had to, you know, everybody started, you know, trying to make that transition. In fact, there's a TV show. Everybody was doing it. the wild Bubsy. <laughs> doing the wild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they called it the Lindy Hop. Um, yeah. no, no. But, uh, you know, it's the, it's the polygon ceiling, right? You, you know, just, uh, right. you know, st- platformers are really, it's just kind of like, okay, well, it takes a lot of effort to be as good as Mario 64, right? So, right. and people, you know, p- publishers, even the, 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 the publishers, they didn't want to put out like a strictly 2d platformer, right? They was like, well, you know, the kids, they want the 3d, right? They want, you know, they want something. So this was almost a concession and it was a concession that ended up making the, making the, you know, the product better by making it two and a half D right. Oh, but it really yeah. is a product of the times and it really is a product of where it, of where it falls on the timeline. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, we, we've covered pretty much uh, most of the, the generalities, um, just as kind of like a roundup, um, you know, it controls pretty well. It's like definitely competently put together. There those, those little tweaking issues that I wish were a little bit different. You know, I wish you were invincible a little bit longer. I wish you didn't have quite as much momentum and slide mm-hmm. when you stopped, but those are mostly minor issues. Um, your double jump was really weird. Like that, that whole, or your hover jump where yeah. you slow to an absolute crawl. Um, your forward momentum, momentum just stops, takes a long time to get used to, but it really is just used for accuracy of landing on things. Yeah. And it, it works just fine for that. Yeah. You know, I came into this expecting the story to be really good just because it is hyped up. You know, I remember hearing other people on podcasts, uh, you know, kind of like allude to it in this, in this way that made it seem like it was really significant. Uh, but I just couldn't get over the animeness of it, honestly. Yeah. It just, it's, it's just hard to, it's, it's, it's hard to, you know, you know, reconcile that tone with, 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 with the way that it is. And it almost kind of seemed like cheap to me, the way that it made those shots. Like, okay, it's, uh, you know, the, the, the way that it went back and forth between these two tones, you know, just kind of like, why mm-hmm. do I care about grandpa dying? Like it's been, happy and then here's this thing that's just out of the blue i don't know it just seemed inappropriate and it seemed almost you know kind of uh had a 10 year for uh for, for, right. for narrative it didn't know what it was trying to be there's a good way to have done that like i, oh, I can yeah. imagine like like a uh it's and it, it, it'd be hard for me to see it out of a big studio but i could imagine an indie game that does this exact you know make a, a cute platformer and give it just like really huge emotional beats mm-hmm. you know but do it a little bit more handle it with a little bit more grace yeah. Um, you know, and just not tone down the, the cuteness a little bit, or at least just make it in a different direction. Like, I think that both of us have a bias that probably contributed to us enjoying this game a little bit less. Yeah. If we were more tolerant of, you know, animus, then like, we'd maybe <laughs> like it a little bit more. 
Yes. Well, I would break out my praying colored pencils and be doing my, uh, doing my self insert, you know, deviant art. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah exactly. The Mary, Mary Sue exactly. character. It is like Klonoa meets, meets Cole. And just, you know. <laughs> you know. Oh gosh. There's, there's weird, like, too, like, the way, yeah, <laughs> thank you. Please do it. The, uh, the, 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 the game is kind of weird too, because for something that has as much plot, like, a bunch of it is just nonsensical weirdness. Like when it first starts out and you get this cutscene, it's like, you know, Hupo is found in a diamond ring for some reason, and then you shoot a thing. I wasn't sure if it was the ring. Like, there's this kind of weird, like, lack of clarity slash overcomplication, you know, complication mm-hmm. to everything that's going on there that doesn't need to be there. You know, it's like it's a lot of wasted world building. Yeah, a lot of wasted. Yeah, I would world I would agree building. with that. Right. Like, you know, one, you know, one world is a little bit more, a little bit more interesting and just a little bit more easy to, to care about. I don't know. Like, it just, I feel like there's, you know, you play with this light and dark, play with this, you know, terrible things happening to cute characters is a, a one sentence premise that I will 100% get behind. Yes. I just, this isn't it in its platonic ideal. So, I mean, we like games that are flawed, but flawed in, in, in interesting ways. Is this, <laughs> Can we consider flawed in a flawed? really boring way? <laughs> yeah, I mean, can, can, can we say that this is that this is flawed in a way that just kind of doesn't, it just doesn't appeal? I mean, is it is is this just kind of like you, you know mediocre? I guess would be would be the question yeah, that I would I, ask. Yeah, I, I think that's probably fair. Like, it's probably mediocre plus. Yeah, you know, it's like a little bit above average. It's enough fun to actually play and jump around on shit. And the actual the core mechanics, like the the wind bullet stuff, is. It's fun and unique enough to make it. There's something to recommend, but um, the the flaws of it are not interesting flaws. You know, it is not flawed in an interesting way. The re- I think what's interesting though is that we're not giving it very much credit for like this kind of reach, like this kind of uh, you know that's definitely I feel like there's an intentionality to to this this contrast thing and just whatever it was that made that not work mm-hmm. is really standing in the way of this being you know. Uh, flawed, like interesting flawed gem and classic, like watch out for fireballs mode. Yeah. And, and I, it's just kind of hard to articulate exactly what that is, but something about that just didn't work. And I, for either of us, I think, like I would totally agree that it's just like didn't quite, wasn't quite there. Yeah. That's a so. shame. I'd, I'd say that this is, I mean, you know, I, I hate to make, you know, categorical statements, but I would say that this is probably like, this has been one of the hardest games to talk about just because it is kind of like Teflon, you know, like not a lot of it stuck to me. <laughs> So you have heard what we have to say about Klonoa, uh, Door to Phantomile, Phantomil, and uh, we'd like to hear what you have to say about it. Um, this is a pretty obscure game, so we have not gotten tons of response, but we did get some some fun pithiness uh, <laughs> from the Something Awful boards, and a little bit on Facebook. Nothing. Uh, it seems like you know not a lot of people have a lot to say, um, but uh, you know as always, we we really appreciate it when people play along with the stuff that we're we're playing. Yeah. Um, so Cole, do you want to uh, start us out with uh, Glitter Bomber here? Yeah, Glitter Bomber on the Something Awful forums here said, Last time I played Kanoya, I was super high and had no idea what was happening. But according to Wikipedia, it involves, quote, using Klonoa's ring and wind bullets to inflate enemies, which can then be thrown at other objects or at the ground, giving him a boost upwards, allowing him to double double jump. So, like, I want to play it sober now. Is that a quote? Does that count? 
Yes, it does. Yep, and yes, yes, it definitely does. Um, <laughs> it doesn't make count. any sense sober. I, 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 I have no yeah, idea how yeah, you just how you would get a little high and play it. Don't you don't need to be super high, but just get like tiny high, <laughs> just like tiny high, and you'll it'll it'll probably all just the same way that like you know you relax your mind to look at a magic eye painting. Just like relax your mind a little bit and just take in Klonoa. <laughs> um, so so we have that. We also have a uh, gloom mouse. Uh, here, so again, you know, the pith is coming strong, um, and Gloom Gloomow says, "Klinoa nyaz like a cat in his anime's hell." I feel like I should be wearing a pith helmet. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah to, to protect you. I like this this comment because Gloomow's uh, avatar is this kind of unimpressed, like girl, like a little kind of anime girl, Un- unimpressed like, anime like bunny or cat girl, which is <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is kind of as anime as hell. <laughs> so you're, you're right. There's, you would know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and it just you know that that's exactly true. That is a thing you can look at Klonoa, see it, and just be like, you know what, Klonoa nyaz like a cat. It's anime as hell. So, <laughs> like, I I like that. Yeah. Um, oh gosh, I love it. That is a uh, that is good. Yeah. And uh, and new you know uh, possibly new new favorite uh, commenter. Um, we, we like this guy. Yeah, uh, Hong- or girl, Hong Kong. Hong Kong, um, love you. Yep, and took it took it seriously. And do you, yeah. do you want to read out? What Hong Kong has to say here? Yeah, yeah. I love Klonoa. It's a nice, easy game, which is so cute and cuddly, I actually threw up in my mouth just a moment ago. I actually have a bunch of experience with Klonoa's uh, from before this uh, WAF. My first experience with Klonoa was way back in the day, pretty shortly after it came out. I went to the game rental place, which was awesome and had a deal to rent games for a dollar a night, and picked up Einhander and Klonoa. I had, I had intended to play Einhander, and Klonoa was for my younger brother. Funny thing was, I ended up liking Klonoa much better. I forget, was Einhander, was that the square uh, fighting game? Or that was Airgeist. It, it, no, it's the shooting game. It's the yeah, square yeah. shooting game. Okay. Yeah, which I've never played. I played Airgeist a little bit, because I was like, oh, I get to be Cloud. And, uh, <laughs> but, and then later, Dissidia just dashed all my hopes. Like, oh, you want to play a Final Fantasy fighting game, do you? Fuck you. It's Dissidia, and it sucks. Oh, man. Um, so, so glad so, I don't yeah, on the but, PSP. Yeah, it's a bad game, friend. Because I would have been tempted to play it because you can play as Cecil. Oh, well. Yeah, you totally can. And it's not fun at all. <laughs> so, I hate that fucking game. <laughs> Anywho. Years and years later, when I worked at a Namco-branded arcade, Aladdin's Castle, woo, we were a test bed for different Namco ideas, most of which bombed horridly. Our claw machine was filled with, Nam- filled with Namco plushies, one of which was a Klonoa plush. Probably pretty easy to grab that one by the ears uh, <laughs> aside there. Um, even when you can set the settings on one of those damn things, they are still impossible. But I managed to get one eventually. Free tokens come in handy. Yes, they do. The plush eventually made its way to my significant other, who became a little obsessed and bought all the games as they came out. I am sure we still have them in deep storage. Honestly, even today, the thing I remember most about the game was how the ending made me sad. Klonoa basically is told, well, everything you thought you knew about yourself is a lie. Also, you need to go away now. It was the first game that really made me sit there and think, huh, what the hell just happened? I was thinking that, you know, uh, a lot sooner than that. What what the hell just happened <laughs> throughout the entire game? Uh, and Hong Kong finished up by saying, still holds up pretty well, I think. Yeah. So that that is, uh, that is uh, those are all great, great comments. Um, I, you know, I would, I would. Except uh, I like Namco plushes. I wish that was still a thing that was around. Yeah, I have a couple of little stuffed animal, like dumb video game related stuffed animals around my apartment. Yeah, and uh, right now you can only get them at GameWorks, which are all Sega branded, so it's all just Sonics. But I would, you know, much rather have a Pac-Man or a or a Klonoa. Hmm. 
Um, maybe not Klonoa, but a little Pac-Man <laughs> would be cute, a little Doug Doug. Oh yeah, a little um, Doug Doug. That'd be amazing. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I like that it's implied in this that I like that he gave that to his significant other and they are still together because they still have them in storage together. That's cute. <laughs> that, that is pretty cool. I like that. That's uh, that's neat. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it's not you know it's not so much like you know he he put a little diamond ring on the Klonoa and gave it to her. It's not like that good of a story, but I just like that you know that's cute. I like it when people are together. <laughs> So, like, isn't love nice? Um, <laughs> um, so that, that's I had a girlfriend cute. who gave me a Cthulhu plushie, and that didn't end well. There you are. <laughs> no, well, no, no, no doubt. The psychic combinations from the, the the thing. I can't look directly um, at it. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, thank you, Hong Kong. That was that was good, nice and thoughtful, as always. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, those are all, all great comments, uh, but unfortunately I have to make things really serious right here. Um, Cole, I've got something I gotta, gotta tell you. Oh, okay. What? Um, you know, so this, this podcast has been a lie. Hmm. Um, you know, I just, I, I, I summoned you here to, to talk to me about Klonoa and I gave you false memories of all the, the, you know, the jokes that we made and all the, yeah. the, the observations and stuff. It's all false. And as soon as I sing the song of deliberation, you're going to get sucked back to Mansfield, Ohio. But I don't, I don't want to, I'm, I don't want to go. But, but, but. Oh boy, where am I? What happened? What? I'm here oh. still. Well, I, I've got to save you. You know, I, I, I figure I'd just summon you again and give you some other false memories because it's apparently this thing I can just do and I have no morals. So I, I do not mind doing it to whatever. Anything I have to to erase their their memories and make their whole lives a lie, I will do it for any any need, any purpose. Uh, basically, Hugh Pow is a monster, and so am I. <laughs> and we are going to we we have, we have decided. Um, so we're we're gonna give it to Glue Mouse. Something about the way this like this sentence and this icon and uh, avatar lining up like just makes me laugh. And, and that, that's that's pretty good to me. Like the lack of punctuation in it too. Yep. Like just the only I was like, "Ken is anime as hell." Not only the lack then, of <laughs> not only the lack of punctuation, but the incorrect punctuation because uh, she has taken an apostrophe and put it before the s. So yeah, it made, made it into it's a like conjunction. Like Klonoa Nyaz possessive. Yeah, <laughs> or, yeah, conjunctive. Yeah, it's a, I don't know. It's Klonoa Nya owns like a cat. <laughs> <laughs> and is also anime as hell. Something about that's really cracking me up, though. So yeah. that, that's worth it for me. <laughs> so that, that's good stuff. So, so Glue Mouse, uh, get a get a hold of us, and we will hook you up with um, Planescape. You know, Torment. If you're yeah, Torment. And and if you're not interested in that, just let us know. We can work something out. Mm-hmm. Um, but you are you are a game select selectee mm-hmm. for this episode. Yeah. Cool. Why don't you tell them how the can get a hold of us yeah, for any well, reason. Yeah, for any reason. If you want to get a hold of us, if you have problems that you want us to solve, you know, we will and come to you. Or something. <laughs> if you need a you need a ride from the airport, we'll 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 be there. <laughs> Watch out for fireballs. We'll be there for you. <laughs> like, yeah, we're gonna cold. We'll take a plane to whatever airport you're landing at, and then give you a ride from it. So that makes even less sense than yeah. the than the original one. Yeah. Okay. And the entire time, we're just gonna be in the back with you, just like, so do you want to hear what we have to think about Dragon Quest Two? <laughs> <Duh. laughs> well, actually, it was Dragon Warrior Two in America, but oh. I couldn't understand you making that mistake. Um, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, um, so if you want to get a hold of us, you can, uh, send us an email at watchoutforfireballs at duckfeed.tv. Or if you don't like using your email client for some reason, you can go to duckfeed.tv slash, um, contact. There's a neat little form there that goes right to us. 
And uh, that mm-hmm. is a, that's a good way to get right there. You can also uh, hit us up on Facebook. That's a great way to get a hold of us too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and like, I know that like we really only incentivize talking, you know, you know, sending us thoughts about the, sending us thoughts about the games for the episode that we're about to record. But like, if you notice stuff that we miss or that we're wrong about, and like want to enter a discussion about on the Facebook, you know, about a game that we played like way back when, you know, like uh, we had, we, you know, we were answering some questions about Call of Cthulhu for somebody on the uh, on the on the on the Facebook. Um, we we definitely want to engage on that, and you know, it would be nice to you know to 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 know as you're listening through and playing along with stuff, you know, your responses to us. So you, you know, feedback about the games is neat, but uh, feedback about the podcast is good too. Uh, but also, yeah, if you would like to talk about the games, you can uh, give us a phone call at uh, that is four one nine eight three four W O F F. Yeah, it's been a long time since we've gotten a voicemail. So yeah. I, I, would, I would love to hear one of those uh, in some, some episode coming up. We would love to hear your um, dulcet tones. Absolutely. And we will put them into the Internet. Yeah. <laughs> um, in addition, you know, if, you, if you're not uh, interested in just, you know, talking in general, um, you know, if you just kind of want to help out, um, there's a bunch of things you can do to help out. Um, we talked about the Facebook group. We are, again, nearing uh, 75, um, you know, fans or followers on Facebook, which would be great. To uh, to hit that uh, milestone, be the lucky seventy fifth. It is a really fun place where, like, it's a fun place where anything can happen. It usually <laughs> does. It, it's not that. It's a Facebook group for a podcast, but it's cool because people who you know are in, you know kind of start discussions and, and talk about things. So that's really neat yeah. uh, to us and can be neat to you. Yeah. Um, we're also rapidly approaching fifty five star ratings on iTunes. Ooh, I think yeah. we're at forty two. Mm-hmm. So that would be a really cool milestone uh, for us as well. So if you haven't um, rated, or better yet, uh, rated and reviewed us on iTunes, um, please do so. That would just be uh, fantastic. And we every time I see one of those, I'm super happy. It helps in the iTunes alchemy that gets more people to listen to the show. And as we said before, you know, this is that's all we've got is is uh, you know people kind of spreading the word and what limited uh, social networking and media that we can do mm-hmm. to get people to listen to it. So. So all of that is stuff that you can do that uh, that helps us out. Um, do, do we want to talk about what we're going to be doing uh, for the next couple of episodes? Yes, we do. Yes. Um, so the next, this is what I, I've been waiting for. Uh, the next <laughs> is a two two part episode. So the next month is all Planescape all the time. Um, <laughs> two episodes on Planescape Torment. The first one we're going roughly through the Clerks Ward. Um, I kind of misestimated where the cutoff point will be, and we're going to kind of have to feel that out a little bit. And it's variable because it depends on how much side stuff you do. But roughly, we're going up until you leave uh, Sigil, or Sigil, and then uh, you know, kind of doing the stuff after that. But we're going to have to feel it out a yep. little bit. But yeah, two episodes on Planescape. Super excited. Yeah, um, I'm excited about it too. I'm about, uh, I'd say, about a third of the way through the game right now. I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, I just got through the Drowned Nations, um, and uh, oh yeah, yeah. So I'm headed out to you know fill out my party. It's a great game. Did you get the uh, Decanter of Endless Water? Oh, you bet your ass I did. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> good. I was going to be disappointed if you didn't. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm super psyched about that. Out of all the, the other games we've done, that is the one I'm most excited to talk about. Um, after that, um, we're doing EVO, The Search for Eden, which is a Super Nintendo uh, platforming game with lots of RPG elements that is about evolution. And uh, I'll give the same you know, disclaimer I gave in the last episode. Please play this with save states. The bosses are very frustrating. Um, but it is it is a really interesting game. Yeah, and then after that, for the uh, for the end of May, there we're going to be uh, 
doing kind of a mashup episode about four different games that are all all by the same developer. Uh, we're calling this the Mac Adventure Collection. Uh, you can find all of these mm. on the NES. Uh, these are Deja Vu 1 and 2, and also Shadowgate. And, mm-hmm. um, oh gosh, what was the other one? Uninvited. 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 Yes. Yep, these are, unfortunately, I wish there was a Mac Venture collection. Like, Google <laughs> Games put out Mac Venture collection, and I will give you six bucks yep. to have these on my PC for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I have them on, on NES, so, um, but, you know, they're not hard. None of them are rare, I don't think. Deja Vu 2 might be kind of rare. But um, we're going to do all those. That's going to be one or two episodes, depending on how much. It's four games that are all in the same engine that have relatively simple plots. So we're going to talk about specific puzzles and everything like that and just see how much time that that takes up. Yeah. Um, And I think we're ready to announce the next one, right? Did we we decide this over email? I believe we decided it, but I'm going to wait for you to say it. (laughs) (laughs) Because I forget. (laughs) After that, we are doing uh, our first uh, PlayStation 2 game. The second, um, second well, that's not true. We did Silent Hill. We're doing our second <laughs> PlayStation 2 game. Um, we are doing PsyOps. Oh, yeah. Which is Love a, this game. Uh, action, yeah, action third person, uh, game, which is really, really awesome. And I have tons of fond memories about this game. Will they stand up? <laughs> we, we shall see. It will stand um, up until the I, last third, I assure you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, until the invisible, uh, monsters start showing up. Yep. Um, this is, this is a fantastic, really neat little game, like just like an action game, but, your your power set is really incredible and cool. Yeah. So so that takes us up through the uh, through the first part of June. There, we're uh, we're rapidly approaching the summer months. You know, which is prime gaming time when it's too hot to be outside. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, if you have any suggestions, use any of the uh, previously mentioned contact uh, uh, methods, and we will uh, take them to heart. Uh, so I think that just about wraps it up. The only other, the only, you know, kind of other thing that I would say is that we have other stuff. You can go check out, uh, GaryButterfield.net for Gary's writings and then links to his various other podcraft, uh, type stuff. Are we still expecting a DinoCast? Yeah. At some point I recorded it. Uh-huh. Um, it devolved into common dick jokes, like really quick. <laughs> <laughs> um, include, kind of, it kind of climaxes in uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger saying, "Come on, me if you want to live." Um, so, so <laughs> that is if, you, if that's the level of discourse you want in in a podcast. That is when I get together with my old friends. It is it is uh, shame shameful. Um, so that will come out at some point. I I want to finish Dead Idea of a Hala first. So I'm not going to put a timestamp on when that's going to come out. But hopefully that will be done this weekend. Okay. I don't have anything else going on this weekend. I really want to get that off my quest log. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, you can go there for lots of music and uh, just kind of writing and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, if you are interested in more uh, traditional podcraft and uh, Cole uh, Ross elations, <laughs> um, you can go to uh, duckfeed.tv. Um, you, know, you may already be on duckfeed.tv listening to this. And uh, it's just really easy just to pop over to the right and grab uh, the links for either Those Damn Ross Kids, which is a Weird news kind of discussion program that Cole does with his very funny, uh, very dry uh, yeah. sense of humor brother, um, who is a hilarious gentleman. And uh, he also does a show called Stand Under the Don't Tree and Riddle Me This, which is a roundtable modern video game kind of rotating topic discussion, both of which are wonderful. Yeah. And uh, you should check them out. And we also have a new season of Sherlock Jones coming up from uh, from uh, some people oh, that hey. I know. And, uh, uh, That's cool. Back down to Cincinnati. So that'll be starting shortly. Yeah. So, in fact, I think by the time you listen to this, there will already be another episode available. So, Oh, cool. Yeah, I did not know that was in the pipeline. So. Yeah. yeah. Cool. All right. And in the meantime, um, that's probably about it. I mean, um, you know, anime can stop. 
Yep. No more anime. Let's, let's, uh, you know, let's, let's, let's start the petition. You know, by the, by the end of 2012, we should ban anime or as I call it, ban anime. Yeah. Ban anime. Like, yeah, join, <laughs> please ban anime. Somebody, I'm going to get a banner ad. Um, and then, you know, some of it's fine. Yeah. I just, I don't know. It, it, it grosses me out a little bit and I just, ugh. Yeah. so, so anime is annoying. Um, what else can you watch out for? Or is an anime? Uh, watch out for anime. Watch out for cat girls. Watch out for, uh, watch out for fireballs. Yeah. <laughs> There's an alternate ending where they actually drove uh, Clino out to the a farm, and it's just like, "Go on, boy, go on. I don't need you anymore. I don't need you anymore, Clino. Go on, boy." And um, there's a big farm we could run around and wind bullet things. I'm just, uh, <laughs> I'm just picturing the the end of Seven. <laughs> you you <laughs> he, he, he says, "I need you to drive me out underneath all these uh, all these uh, power lines." You know, says I've got, got got something to tell you. I've got a secret for you. Clino is like, "What's in the box? What's in the box? Yeah. What's in the box?" <laughs> well, he probably just like seven. He probably the first couple times he said it like a normal human, and then David Fincher came and was like, "No, no, 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 <laughs> don't say it like that." I should go, "What's in the box?" Like, just, like say it like the biggest idiot, and then uh, say it like that scene in Temple of Doom where. The, uh, the, the, in the bug room, um, the, the ceiling is crushing Indiana Jones and he looks at the camera and he goes, we are going to die. <laughs> and then frowns. <laughs> Say it like that. Uh, like, well, okay, I'm a good actor, but I'll go for it. Okay, why not? Whatever, whatever you want. <laughs> you're, you're the boss. Um, yeah. Except in, you know, instead of being Gwyneth Paltrow's head in the box, it is a portal to another dimension. And oh, yeah, all, of, all of your life has been a lie. 